Remembered to put my headphones on this time. He's learning. Yeah. Um, how are you? You alright? Yeah, okay. Um, what has happened since our last session? I, um, I actually went uh, to, to London. It's been Christmas, as everybody knows. Yeah, so it was Christmas. And um, I, yeah, I went for a little trip back to London. Um, and it was very nice. Um, how's, your, how's your Christmas? I should ask you that. It's impolite not to. Um, yeah, it was fine. All right. Oh, okay. And um, so I, I was uh, in London, as I said, and I actually had, uh, don't want to scare the listeners, you know, I had a slight sort of like health scare while I was back. So I've had this thing on my face for about a year. Pretty negligible, like nobody, nobody would necessarily like notice it. No one ever commented on it. I was just sort of looking at it in the mirror. And I guess I'm a lot closer to the mirror than the average person is to me, so like they wouldn't have seen it. And so it's like this little spot. And then um, a friend of my uh, dad's is a dermatologist, so I uh, kind of sprung it on her because, like you know, you see a dermatologist, you've got the fear about this thing on your face. You may as well take the opportunity to ask. Um, so yeah, I sprung I sprung it on her and said, you know, like I've got this, I've got this thing. Bit worried about it. Could you, could you uh, check it out? She says, "Oh yeah, come by for like a proper, proper appointment." You know, so I get my appointment. I go in um, King's College Hospital. Uh, that's where I was born, actually. But, um, that's a sort of needless bit of information. But I'm trying to build up a bit of a character, sort of a lovable character for the for the audience. But anyway, like so, yeah. No, so so I have this uh, official appointment. And um, she's, yeah, she, she, yeah, but you know, because I go in, I'm thinking, oh, this will be a routine thing. I'll be in and out in a second. She's going to just look at it under the dermatologist microscope and then I'll be out. But no, actually, what happens is she says, oh, she gives her a quick look at it and says, oh, we're going to have to, if you don't mind, I'm going to sort of, you know, whop it off and uh, send it to the, send it for a bit of analysis. Because there was like sort of fifty percent chance it was this sort of benign thing, and fifty percent chance it was like some sort of form of cancer, which, to be fair, a lot of people get, and but mostly old people. So, so I go in there, and my panic levels have completely risen, and I'm in a hospital contemplating death after I thought I was sort of hopping there on the way to a little tennis session in London. Anyway, skip forward a couple of weeks, and. Um, yeah, I actually end up, I actually ended up having a really nice day, I have to say, because one, I got a tax rebate on my business from the Danish government, and at the same time, got a text saying this thing on my face was analysed and totally benign. But um, the weird thing is that I must say, I think I was happier about, I was happier to know that I had like a thousand euros back from the Danish state than I was that I wasn't dying. And I think that's quite... That shows you quite a lot about modern life, doesn't it? So bloody worried about everything that you, you can be more happy about the fact that you've got a little bit of money back 
financially secure for like a month or whatever than you are that you're not actually going to die. There's something wrong with... <clears throat> there's definitely something wrong with my psychology. But yeah, apart from that, I started a new... Started a new job. Um, side hustle. I like, you know, the dream of the business being the main income hasn't died, but I've got a new job. I've noticed that... You know, I know everyone's obsessed with AI, but I don't want to... I don't talk about AI all the time, but... There is this... Everyone's obsessed with... You know, AI's coming, we need to, like, start using... Start using AI in our jobs, and... My my boss keeps on sort of over Zoom with a very wide-eyed look. Keeps on telling me how we need to harness the power of AI with the sort of look of absolute fear in his face. And it's like, you know, in a film where there's, there's a character who you know is going to die, but they're sort of obliviously saying their last words. That's what it's like. Like, he's just... He's totally going to be ousted. But he's just convinced himself that if he, as he says like five times a week, harnesses the power of AI, it's somehow going to be okay for him. I mean, he's a writer, you know. His days are absolutely numbered. Anyway, that's the sort of thing I'm having to... Uh, what do you call that? Um, humour. I'm having to humour people. I'm fine with it. I know I'm getting ousted. I've accepted it. And now my job has become some sort of like emotional caregiver of the generation of people who are about to be blasted off the face of the job market by artificial intelligence. Anyway, that's enough. Uh, me moaning on at the beginning because we've got a bit of a long episode coming up, or it could be long. Uh, this episode's called Selfie Steam, and it's about, uh, yes, it's about self-esteem. I've been doing some content research, as I always do, search engine optimization. What do people, what do the public care about? And it turns out they're very worried about self-esteem issues. Nobody thinks they've... The fact that they're so worried about their self-esteem is probably negatively contributing to their self-esteem, so they're bloody worried about it, and I thought, if we make an episode about that, I'm going to be golden. And I've got two parts of that. One of them, something I've written, part of my manifesto, if you like, but it's not, it's not the sort of depressing start-up analysis. This one's about my trip to the barbers and what it means for self-esteem. Um, contemplating barber visits... And and then um, got you also got an interview coming up before that uh, with my friend Otto Dylan Matz, who's currently in uh, currently in the Alps, and um, yeah, I've heard he, so he heard about my self esteem episode, and he's got this uh, short person personality theory that he's been coming up with. Seems pretty intriguing. He sort of says that. Everybody has a has a sort of height personality, independent of their actual personality. So I'm going to get him to talk a bit about that. I'm very interested. That's all I know. I'm quite intrigued to hear more. But yeah, so um, he's waiting to be dialed in over on Zoom. And um, yeah, if you dial him in, you got the email. If you dial him in, then we can get started. Yep, just give me a second. And all right, I'm calling him now. There we go. Okay. Hi, is this uh, is that Otto Dylan Matz over there? Uh, yeah, yeah, this is Otto Dylan Matz. 
how you uh, how you doing? Um, doing good. Doing nice. good. Yeah. Well, as you uh, as you know already, you know I'm over here and Blog Standard Podcast have decided to do an episode about um, self esteem uh, because I've realised. You know, I've been doing my content research basically, and I've realised that people are people are very worried about their self esteem issues. And I try yeah. to get to as many people as possible. Um, and uh, yeah, and then we had a chat, and you you suggested you said something about your uh, short person personality theory, which I'm going to ask you about. But how are you um, how are you doing? You in the you're in some sort of Alps or something, aren't you at the moment? Where are you? Yeah, yeah. I decided recently to move to the Alps in Austria from Copenhagen. Is that is that a permanent move, or are you just uh, hanging about uh, in the Alps for a bit? Right now, it's a permanent move. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I haven't really decided yet. So, what um, are you what are you actually doing in those Alps? Are you you must have, do you have a purpose over there, or are you just sort of hanging about? I'm just sort of hanging about for working. And uh, taking walks, taking walks, reading. yeah, taking walks, taking long walks. You never went for any walks in Copenhagen. Well, no, no, I didn't. Are you doing anything that healthy? I'm, I'm a, I'm a walker now. I uh, recently got a notification on my phone saying that um, I've gotten a change in my in my health app. So now I'm I'm walking is twenty that, kilometers a day. Has that changed from unhealthy yeah. to vaguely healthy? Vaguely healthy, I would say. All right, okay, um, that's good. And what do you? Yeah. So what you you work in? Um, what kind of work are you doing over there? I'm doing uh, bar work. Oh. I know this uh, crazy Austrian chef that moved from Copenhagen here and has a hotel. So oh, okay. he invited me to come. All right. Don't name any names because we could end up being sued or something like that. Yeah, but we'll stick exactly. With, we'll stick with crazy Austrian chef moved from Copenhagen. Um, okay. Yeah. But yeah, no. So yeah, we were, we're talking about self-esteem over here. You t- you talked. You mentioned you heard. Um, it sounded quite intriguing, actually. I'm quite excited. We, we all on Blog Standard are quite excited to hear about it. But what is so? What is short person personality theory? Yeah. So you got the short person personality, the medium height person personality, and the tall person personality. Okay. I I uh, came up with this uh, theory. Um, Quite a few years ago now, uh, mm-hmm. I was dating a pretty tall woman. Okay. Uh, she was. Uh, she's not taller than me, uh, but she, I'm I'm medium height, so okay. I guess that's that's fairly tall. Yeah. For okay. a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was convinced that uh, I was like freakishly short. Okay. Even though we were dating, she didn't know so she that was- I was. She was standing next to you on a fairly regular basis, then. Yeah, yeah, okay. she was. Then, uh, but then her and her friend were just like, "Yeah, Otto, you're super short." And I stood next to them, and I was taller than both of them. But they had this perception of me as being extremely short. So, what does this mean? Like, so what? So then, what is having? What does it mean if somebody has short person personality? According yeah, that's uh, that's not really what I've figured out yet. I've just tested this theory on lots of people. Um, okay, okay. And uh, I'm still trying to figure out uh, what it is that makes you have a short person personality. I think maybe we can we can discuss that. Because um, I was thinking about you uh, the other day, actually, and okay. you are 
classic short person personality. SPP man. I'm SPP. Oh well, yeah. I'd say, well, I'm, for a start, I'm five foot ten, which is sort of medium-ish height, maybe to tall, depending on what country you're in. But also, I've had. I don't know if I'm willing to accept that, no, because I'm. Uh, people have often remarked. In fact, on multiple occasions, some people have said to me, "Oh, you are a bit. You're actually, you know, a bit uh, shorter than I expected. You know, my image of you was actually quite a tall person, but you. I'm surprised to hear you're five foot ten. I thought you. Were I hear that foot. you're uh, getting offended by this now. Um, I think if we would ask a lot of people, then uh, then I think most of them would think would say that you were short. I was actually talking to my friend here that also knows you, and uh, I was describing you as uh, oh, you know, that's not the crazy oh, Austrian chef, is it? You're asking. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I was asking him if uh, he remembers you, and um, well, maybe he, that's because uh, I think that's probably because you know when he knew me. I was working behind a bar, and I think that would probably give the visual impression. If someone's got a sort of very tall bar in front of them all the time, I'd say they probably look shorter than they actually are. That would probably explain that. Well, that's that can be a theory, but he definitely thought that you were short. Okay, so what about uh, like if? Let's, so if you let's take for example our friend Chris. Yeah. What what does he have? It's a typical TPP, and is that is that because he's but he's a tall person, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is, your, uh, is that uh, um, what about say what about our friend Gabby? She's a medium height personality, I would say. But so basically, I, your theory amounts to nothing more than that the personality is the same as their actual height. Because he's tall and she's she's medium height. No, but you have other examples like you're medium height, right? And uh, you are short, and I'm your short person personality. And me, for example, I'm taller than you. Yeah, I did um, actually always. I did actually consider you to be fairly. You know, I wouldn't say short, but um, definitely nothing more than medium height. I was very surprised to see that you were taller than me in real life. Yeah, well, I'm actually, quite a lot taller than you in real life, actually. So to what degree um, to what degree do you think you know this episode's all about self-esteem but you coming up with this theory to me sounds a lot like you were very much scarred by your experience of this girlfriend thinking you were tiny do you think it stems, yeah. do you think it stems from your own self-esteem issues I I think it might have something to do with it but I also consider myself to have quite Quite good self-esteem, so I don't know how that reflects on me being an SPP. No. Uh, but I think it, me telling people that they are, in fact, SPP, often offends them a lot. I was in a. But you sounded quite bar. offended yourself that you're an SPP, right? I was very offended when I first heard it, but now I've come to terms with it. And um, okay, all right. So you're saying you've sort of gained a healthy level of self-esteem over the years? Absolutely. I have this example of a person getting so offended that I called him an SPP. He is, in fact, uh, a lot taller than me. But he, th when I told him that he was SPP, he later then that night told me that I have a big boned personality. <laughs> a big, and, big um, boned personality. So that means large. That's a theory that he uh, came up with. 
so that means you're um you give off the impression of being a bit tubby yeah yeah that's, i guess i guess so uh okay. that hurt that's very nice that hurt right, myself, yeah no this does seem this seems like an interesting uh theory to be honest i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to give it a little bit more thought um, yeah, I can I can send you some articles about it. Are these written by you, or are they actually from sort of more reliable sources? Uh, by me. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. No, I'll be sure. I'll be sure to check those out. But um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for your time, Otto Dylan. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Uh, it was a pleasure. No worries. No worries. Have a good day. Enjoy those Alps. You too. All right. Copenhagen. Bye. Bye. You're not, you're not five ten, are you? Um, five nine and a half, maybe five nine. No, we've, I've, I've had myself measured. I don't know if I was wearing shoes at the time. I have these special shoes actually because of my foot injury. They're quite hefty, but I do. I would say, um, no, I am five foot ten. I'm definitely five foot ten. All right, I'll, uh, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. What did you, uh, what do you think of that interview then? You think my, my new interview system, going well? I think um let me listen let me listen back to it just to double check it um I kind oh. of I've phased out a little bit um okay. okay I thought you did actually because I can see you through this bloody audio window over here and um yeah I saw you twiddling your thumbs um on your phone a bit and stuff but yeah you know the more devoted you are like you know the more you take it all in the more it's sort of going to enhance your audio powers, but yeah, maybe you need it as a break. I don't know. You're the expert. That's, um, might be time for me to move on to my sort of barber, barber visiting, um, what do you call it? Yeah, manifesto, stream of consciousness. Yeah, I think I'm ready. All right, same, same service, I guess. I'll dig out some music for you and then, uh, yeah, 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 bit of emphasis. Okay, here we go. I lost a button yesterday from my blue chinos and I'm aware of this as I leave the swimming pool. I can't quite be bothered to fix it, so I'm walking around relatively unzipped, flying under the radar because of the coverage provided by an already slightly too loose belt. I actually feel as if I've gotten away with something and it's fairly satisfying. Perhaps people don't really need buttons and it's a cover-up from the button industry. That said, it's certainly up to my anxiety levels a bit. I feel that my trousers may pop open in public and who knows, in such a situation I could fail to immediately notice and become a laughing stock. It's time for my three weekly to monthly haircut, so I walk into the barbers where I'm immediately engaged in a conspiratorial chat. Why do I always end up in these barber situations? With both of my last two significant barbers, I consider this to be four haircuts or more. I've ended up revealing that I used to work with refugees, in turn triggering their revelation of their own political beliefs once they realize I'm relatively onside for a white British man. With each comment about what the US are up to, they lean in closer to my wet little ears, in the process wasting valuable haircut time and extending the entire process. When I enter the barbers, it's us against the state, us against the USA's hegemonic grip on world power. 
They quietly whisper something about what's really going on in their home countries while I sit in the brightly lit chair being quietly snipped. You see, my friend, whispers my barber as he leans in and simultaneously raises an eyebrow. It's the US, you know. This sentence comes with a slight wagging of the scissors, a little too close to my cheek for my liking. I should never have let on that I went once to Tunisia, my barber's country of origin. That's also led to a kind of conversational barricade of my own making, where every time I ask him about Tunisia in the hope of bonding, I actually just evoke a response of disappointment about how hard it is for him to get back there for a holiday. To be fair, he's not the most positive of men. He's usually talking about how the newly built Lidl on the other side of the road is casting a shadow over his shop that's far from customer friendly. Then comes the time for them to do the top. When you're losing your hair, or your hair is thinning, this is a catastrophic psychological moment. Under bright lights, the dampening of the strands with the tiny water sprayer reveals all, and you immediately see straight through to your scalp. It's like somebody's removed an effect on Photoshop, and you realize that you basically have no hair, and just some fluffy disguise that can immediately be destroyed with the application of water. I think men's rights campaigns should begin to focus on this moment and do something about it. Perhaps a blindfold could be placed on the hairdresser at this point. Perhaps all the sheepish men sitting behind waiting for their turn, men who add significantly to the awkwardness of the whole process, could be made to look away. Perhaps there could be some kind of deal. Recently, my barber caught me cheating on him. The previous morning, I'd had a great haircut with a teenager a few doors down, opposite Copenhagen's Red Square. With that new haircut confidence, probably a 30% increase in confidence at least, I left my apartment and set out for the street. Just before, I'd attempted to see if my Greek housemate Leah wanted to join me out in the world. But as I knocked on her door, she shouted, Don't come in, I'm super naked. She's one of the funniest people I've ever met, and mostly by accident. I love the idea that there could be degrees of nakedness. Perhaps there are. I feel far less naked in the sauna than in a bad nude dream. A dream where you end up nude out in public. That happening in real life would be the ultimate catastrophe, I reckon. Perhaps with the potential to liberate. Like how one interpretation of depression is your own subconscious mind's attempt to break you down, to make you realize that you cannot go on doing what you're doing. Anyhow, I'm on the street with a fresh haircut and who appears from around the corner but my most recent ex-barber. There's a momentary lapse as he breaks into a warm, hello my friend, before his eyes flit up to the top of my head. I know that he's noticed the haircut. He knows that I know that he's noticed the haircut. His expression subtly changes. Somewhere around the eyes, there's a change that drops from friendly to menacing and back to a form of friendly I know is not real. We both know that our barber-hairdressee relationship will never be the same again. My friend Senor Trej has a theory about barbers. He says that the first haircut you get from a barber is always the best one. Therefore, he circulates around South London getting haircuts from different barbers every couple of months, always trying to get the first haircut, the one that they're most keen to impress and haven't got their barber feet under the table that is your hair. After that, he's through with the barber and discards him at least until their barber has forgotten him to the degree that he's willing to put in another great haircut in the interests of customer retention. <laughs>